Welcome back to the St Edward's School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life at the school. In this episode, we speak to Chris Reynolds about the school's high-performance learning programme. We're going to find out firstly what it is, why the school is embarking on this programme, as well as how parents can help with this. But we also find out how Chris feels about long-distance travel. And when we say long-distance travel, we're talking seriously long-distance. Find out just how far he would like to go at the end of this episode. But in the meantime, come with me as we step into St Edward's School. Chris, thank you for joining us on the St Edward's School podcast. How are you doing today? Yes, very well, thank you. It's been a been a very busy day what with all the the changes and getting everything ready for internal exams for the year 11s and 13s it's certainly keep me busy that and uh along with a little bit of sunburn today after being in the garden all weekend and it was very sunny but cold you didn't realize you were getting burnt until you came Hmm. in but apart from that i'm doing well thank you well look in this episode we're going to hear all about high performance learning at st edwards but before we do that and just for the sake of people listening can you tell us a little bit about what you do at the school and how long you've been there for please Okay, yeah. Um, So my role at the school is um, Deputy Head Academic. Um, And so with that, I really look at all the the processes and systems and support we put in place to ensure that all pupils uh, make the best possible outcomes in terms of the grades which they obtain, but also, you know, the the ways in which they approach um, challenges academic wise. So I've been here for this is my seventh year now. So it's it's becoming part of the family, really. And it's been an Hmm. enjoyable seven years. And tell me about your own education. I mean, where did you where did you grow up? Where did you go to school yourself? Ah, right. Okay. Well, I went to school just a few miles away in um, in Churchdown at Chosen Hill School, so a local comprehensive there. And then went off to um, university at Plymouth, and then I had a couple of years travelling around and playing rugby in various different parts of the world before coming back and doing my PGC in Bath. Um, and then mm. from there, um, just in London, taught, um, well, in Gravesend, sorry, and then came back to teach um, at a school in, in Gloucester before moving across to this school here. Okay. And what was it that took you into teaching in the first place? Uh, that's a good question, that one, really. Uh, my father was a teacher, which either puts you off or puts you on to the, t- the teaching side of things. Um, but also when I um, left university before going abroad to play rugby, I worked um, for a an outward bound type of company and and did a lot of their outdoor education and I did that on the Isle of Wight and it was just fantastic. Okay so we're here then to talk about high performance learning so first of all very obvious question what is high performance learning? High performance learning is is an organisation but also a framework uh, for supporting schools to increase the achievements and outcomes for their students so it's it's a global network of high performing schools and to be part of the high performance learning network the school has to be um, good or outstanding already and the schools within it are looking to employ a framework provided by high performance learning to enable pupils to make even better progress than they might have done originally so it's it's it's, I suppose I say this not frivolously, but it is kind of cutting edge in terms of it's based on a lot of research, but it's, it's quite a new sort of concept um, and a new group of schools which are going into it. So there's lots of schools around the world, and obviously we're very privileged to become part of that, that whole network. Do you know roughly how many schools are classed as high-performing schools in this network? Is it sort of hundreds or thousands or tens? Oh, I'd have thought it'd probably... 50 to 100, I'd have thought. I, I, but again, that's really without me doing any research onto that. And when was it that St Edwards became a high-performing school in that case? So we joined in basically September of this year. So we had the induction programme, and it's a two-year programme. And then by the end of that, then we hope to achieve the, the world-class status for schools, which is based upon 
uh, uh, the high performance learning group will come in and do an assessment of the school look at our results look at the way we teach and there's processes and the policies we've got in place and hopefully the aim is to achieve um, the necessary standards to achieve accreditation to become a world-class school so it sounds like a highly organized organization in that case where they've got these assessments in place in order to make sure that schools that um, that qualify for being in this network are genuinely qualifying and that they are actually high performing schools then yes yeah, certainly um so obviously uh, all schools i don't know if you know this, um provide what's known as a value added um from based upon their exam results and you have to be achieving well with your value added for you to be able to access the school this, this network okay so tell me a little bit then about why st edwards has chosen to embark on this initiative I think we're always looking for ways in which we can further increase the outcomes for the students. You know, the goal here at St Edward's is to ensure that when they leave here, they have the academic uh, qualifications behind them, as well as obviously all the softer skills to enable them to open up doors for prestigious universities, apprenticeships, jobs, that type of thing. And so Mm. whilst we obviously are very successful at what we do, we're looking at how we can further improve that. And high performance learning provides that framework to enable you to to really look at how students learn and how they think and how they behave and through that tweaking of the, what you already do in the procedures then you can look to build upon the, your current results and actually improve upon them. Okay so you talk about the different ways that students learn what are some of those different ways that that students tend to learn when they're at school? Yeah so um, in terms of high performance learning it's got two strands you've got um, ACPs which it stands for advanced cognitive performance characteristics quite a mouthful mm-hmm. so it's turned down to ACPs <laughs> and there, there are 20 of these and these are if you want the thinking skills so things like metacognition which is where students think about how they think so actually go back and really look at what they're doing and why they're doing it in a certain way there's also things like linking so how well they can link ideas to what they currently know to the concrete to the abstract but also things like analyzing creating so not only looking at what they already know but how can they create that into a different uh, scenario and also realizing because a lot of the ways in which students need to be able to approach the world now is they need to know things the immediacy you know we think about how much information is straight in on the other end of a google search well also students need to be able to do that themselves have this knowledge within their within their own brain so those are the i suppose the the framework for the thinking skills but then aligned with that and i think this is where high performance learning really does build upon it also provides a framework for the learning behaviors so you're not just talking about effort you're looking at how students are directing their effort to enable, enable them to get the best results. So within these, these are called the VAA, so values, attitudes and attributes, but we just call them learning behaviours at school. And it's looking at their empathy. Are they able to work well with other people? Do they take on board advice? And that's obviously an area which certain um, people, you know, ourselves included, can, can, find, can find quite difficult. But also agile-minded. Can they look at things in different scenarios and also think about things and be prepared to work in a way where they don't know what the outcome is and for you know a lot of students and, and ourselves you know that confidence to say well I don't know what the outcome is going to be but I'm going to dive in and have a go anyway that's something which can be quite hard for, for people to recognize that that's an important um, facet for actually being able to, to work in all in parts of modern society and obviously the hard work so the practice the perseverance and the resilience which obviously is is so key to successful so HBR provides this framework with these two strands intertwine and our job now is 
is really to try to unpick and then think about, well, how do we deliver this, not only in both day-to-day -day lessons, but in also all the extracurricular activities we do, and how do we make it explicit to the student, think, well, that time when you dove into this situation where you didn't know the outcome, but you were willing to have a go, how important was that? You know, and, and make them actually recognize that that was a great thing to do. Hmm. You know, how much do they, when we say, do you work collaborative, how much do students work together or are they reliant on being given the information and not also sharing and feeding back? So it's really looking at not only how hard they work, which is obviously a lot of what schools look at is the effort. Hmm. But what we're trying to do is move away and be more nuanced with that. We'll say, yeah, you're working hard, but where are you directing it towards? Which areas of your learning behaviors if you really focus on that area would you make further progress so it's really useful at hbl it provides this framework hmm. where you can build upon these different skills these thinking and learning behaviors and see how students respond to that so it feels like to me that one of the things you're saying is that we've moved on leaps and bounds from the era of say the the 40s and 50s and maybe the 60s 60s as well where it was all about cramming in as much knowledge as possible into children and then assessing how much knowledge they'd retained we've moved on a long way from that then haven't we yeah um i think you know the the way the exams are set up at the moment is that students still do need an awful lot of knowledge and they have to be able to recall that when they need to in an exam situation. And high performance learning helps the students to actually look at the different strategies. And that's where the things like the meta thinking things comes into play. When they look at the strategies and think, well, how can I, what techniques have I employed which are going to enable me to answer that question? Because mm. questions are increasingly nuanced, increasingly multidimensional, which means they've got to think on their feet and they've got to, it's not going to be an obvious question. And so HPL provides that. But I think more importantly, probably what HPL provides is that idea that um, intelligence isn't fixed. Mm -hmm. So in the past, students would have come into a school, they'd have been assessed and it'd say, right, by the end of this school year, we expect you to have achieved this particular level because that's what this test indicates. This is your current you know, IQ, as it were. Mm. And high performance learning goes beyond that. It says, well, everyone has a starting point, but we all need to actually be able to progress beyond that. And through things such as neuro, neuroscience, psychology, we actually understand that the brains will grow and will develop. You know, Professor Carol Dweck did an awful lot of this on what's known as the growth mindset. And high-performance learning builds on that and actually provides the the capacity for schools to actually look at how we can grow better brains and that is you know and that is what we're basically trying to do we're trying to look at yet yeah, this is your starting point mm -hmm. but whereas in the past you might have been consigned to only being expected to get a certain level if we employ these techniques you can go beyond that and so we're really looking to see well this is where you are now how do we move you beyond that and that's the key thing so things like fixed ability and fixed sets they all need to move and to evolve um, mm. because what we don't want students to think is well I've come in at a certain level that's all I'm capable of we're actually mm. no you're capable of far more and we're going to help you to achieve that and that's what it's all about really. So I imagine then that something like this this framework that you're talking about it's not the kind of thing that just gets dropped into a school so tell me how you're going about implementing that within St Edwards. Yeah so as I say it's a two-year journey to achieve world-class award status and what we're, we're looking at on this first year we've initially started focused on the learning behaviors so what the mm -hmm. students can actually do and so what I said uh, earlier that often we look at people's effort so we've gone away from reporting on effort grades but re reporting on their learning behaviors so from that we've broken it down and we look at well which behaviors you're doing well which behaviors if you focused on might improve you and we've really moved away from whereas in the past if you weren't working hard you got a low effort grade and that might be seen as quite a negative thing well actually what we're looking at is 
no one comes into school with a finished article. Hmm. We're looking at, so if you're saying that your behavior for learning isn't quite where it, where it needs to be, if you focus your efforts in this particular area, then you're actually going to make more progress. So one of the key things we've done is we've changed our assessments to focus on behaviors from learning rather than effort. We're also, and this is again slightly nuanced and more subtle, we're looking at um, rather than talking at sets, which makes people think of fixability, we're calling things performance groups and we're trying to move away from those as far as possible. So as students don't think, well, I'm in this particular group, therefore that's as good as I'm going to be. You know, particularly when you look in the lower school, well, and at GCSE levels, you know, the, we often talk about this um, analogy with a, with a driving license. Okay. No matter how many times you fail your test, they're not going to lower the pass for you to pass and get your driving license. And it's the same with the GCSEs. No matter how hard you find it, they're not going to lower the expectations for you to get a pass. So our job and the student's job is to look at, right, this is our base level. How do we get there? And so therefore, no matter what performance group we're in, I mean, with people who are performing at this level, it doesn't mean that that's as good as I can be or I'm only as good as the people around me. It means that we're performing at the same level. So therefore, if we're taught at the same things, we can move on and progress further than we did before. So we've moved away from sets and looking at abilities. We've also put in things such as um, lingo bingo. Oh, OK, this sounds fun. Yeah, so just before the Christmas, <laughs> we um, had a whole range of different um, learning behaviours and we asked students to um, recognise when they were doing them and tick off a bingo grid card and when they <laughs> achieved a certain number of um, lines that sort of thing then obviously they got house points and from that then they could build that up so that one went very well we've also done obviously a lot of staff training on the value add um, the values attitudes and attributes and we've had a parents information evening and newsletter to inform parents about it and mm. Obviously, what we want to do is employ the whole school community. So also that we've got a student body who are also feeding into it and the impact and their understanding of it and where they think we're doing well and what we could improve upon and how they think it's impacting upon their learning. So that started um, in September. And then just at Easter, we've just started now to focus on our um, thinking skills. So focusing on the advanced cognitive performances characteristics, the ACPs. And again, we had um, HPL came and delivered some insight for the staff on that one. Um, and so now we're really trying to focus on engaging these learning activities within the school, which are really going to help to accelerate and make progress as well. Now, is there a concern at all that some parents might think that HPL is all about turning St Edwards into a bit of a hothouse where it's just about exam grades? I'm thinking about parents where they've maybe just heard a headline about what HPL is, but they haven't looked into the detail at all. Is that a danger at all? And what might you say to a parent who thought that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we started, that's why we made sure that we had a parent's newsletter and also had a parent's information evening, just to give that idea that actually what we're not turning our back on is of pupils of any ability you know we are saying that mm. pupils of all ability can make progress but maybe in the past they thought their progress is limited and actually what we're now saying is progress isn't limited so we're not saying that everyone is now going to suddenly achieve a level nine but what we're doing is we're saying well when they come in and they take a best line baseline assessment and it gives them a prediction of a certain grade well, that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that's the ceiling. What that means is that's our starting point, And what we're right. looking to do is try to achieve more than that. But we're never going to go away from the fact that, you know, we look at the other half as equally as important. Look at the softer skills and the extracurricular. So all of these things should combine together. So as if you're developing students who work well collaboratively, mm -hmm. who have got that resilience from their extracurricular activities, then they're also then going to bring that into the academic side of things. And then hopefully then you will get to see higher, higher outcomes. What can parents do to help in that case? I think um, 
there's a number of things. One of you know, we often often hear it. Oh, I was never very good at French myself, or mm. I was never very good at maths. Those, those yeah. sorts of phrases really don't help because you know genetically you don't pass on your ability. What you do pass on is your interest. So, for example, I'm a geography teacher. My son hasn't inherited my ability with geography, but what he has inherited is a father who, unfortunately for him, when we're driving along, points things out and says, look at that cliff, look at where these factories are located. And he's been immersed in two taught geography since he's about three or four. And that's what brings in, that's why people often think, well, I was never very good at maths, so my son's not going to be very good, or my daughter's not going to be good. Well, often it means mm. that you just don't talk to them in a certain way and just encourage them. And so I think what parents can do to help is recognise that actually... Everyone starts at different levels, but there's no reason why with perseverance and with the right foundations and the right support from the school, but also um, that encouragement from home, not just looking at the result, but looking at how they got there, then that helps students to recognize actually what I've got now isn't my finishing point. I've looked at how I got there and I can think, right, how can I build upon that for the next set of assessments? That's really good to know. It's really interesting to hear that. Now, Chris, I'd love to share a little bit more about you with people who are listening right now. So do you mind if I ask you what your favourite subject was at school? I've got a feeling I might know the answer to this now, actually. Well, it, it wasn't actually geography. It was, um, oh, it was okay. games. I, I love sport. I love sport. So, um, mm. But no, I was, I was just um, one of those students who, you know, I, I, work, I have to work very hard at all my subjects. Um, I'm not um, one of those people who, when they took the baseline test, would have been you know, given, like, say, a level nine straight away. So I think very early on, because I, I, I'm also competitive, I recognise that I wasn't going to... St- um, keep up with some of my peers unless okay. I put the effort in um, right, right but I just yeah I, I, yeah I suppose geography yeah and sport would be my my favorites okay so I have another question for here for yeah. you if Elon Musk asked you if you wanted to go to Mars and it's a two-year mission mm-hmm. would you want to go oh yes yeah, well, oh, I say that. I should have thought about my family first. <laughs> if if I if it did come to leaving my family behind, then oh, absolutely, yeah, I'm all mm-hmm. for um, seeking out new opportunities and seeing what's what's over the horizon. Absolutely. Okay, so would you rather a two year mission to Mars or a five day mission to the Moon? I'd go for Mars. Really? Gosh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I th- yeah, I think you know, I when I was when I left university, I packed. Um, a couple of boots, well, a pair of boots and some rugby shorts. I went off traveling and playing rugby in Australia and New Zealand for two years without any real destination. So I think for me, it's what's out there. We are, of course, parking the fact that you'll be leaving your family behind, as you've indicated. Yes, yes, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is um, taking them out of the equation. It's, yeah, it's a, yes. Clearly, it's a hypothetical question. <laughs> okay, well, look, Chris, we need to bring this to a close in a moment. But for anyone who's heard anything and might have a follow-up question about anything you've said, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to get in touch? Uh, best way is to email me at c.reynolds at stedwards.co.uk. c.reynolds at stedwards.co.uk. Yes. Perfect. Well, look, Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really good to hear all about HPL. It's been great to hear about you as well and uh, your desires to go to Mars, it seems. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for your time. So that was Chris Reynolds talking about the school's high-performance learning programme. If you have any questions, you can contact Chris directly by emailing c.reynolds at stedwards.co.uk. Now, if you're not following this channel yet, then now's the time to do so, because then when each episode is released, you'll receive a small notification just to let you know. So go and do that. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode, and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now.